Hi everyone and welcome to episode 5 of the Martha Mindset. Sorry for the huge delay in getting the wheels of episode 5 in motion. Life has been super super busy and it's really hard juggling a full-time job and finding the time to be creative. But it's interesting that I say that as in today's episode I'm actually speaking to someone who has a full-time job as a librarian but who has recently written her debut fantasy novel that has earned enthusiastic acclaim. In this episode, I'm speaking to author Tasha Suri, whose debut novel came out in November 2018. It's called Empire of Sand, and it was featured in the Guardian's review roundup of the best recent science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Now, Empire of Sand is an Indian epic fantasy. It's set in the Mughal era, and it navigates a variety of subjects, such as patriarchy, caste, arranged marriage, and even religious extremism. And it's essentially about a young woman who's trying to save the world from destruction. I caught up with Tasha earlier this week for a very quick chat about Empire of Sand, how her British Asian identity has influenced her writing and what's next for her. I'm Tasha Suri, um, the author of Empire of Sand, which is the first in the Books of Umber series and is um, an epic fantasy based on um, medieval Mughal India published by Orbit. It's really nice to have you joining us on this episode of the podcast. Talk to us about what the story is and, you know, why we should read the book. What kind of blood, sweat and tears went into the production <laughs> of the book? So authors are the worst at pitching their own books. So <laughs> this is, this is going to be great. Um, Empire of Sand is a good book and you will enjoy it. It's based on Indian history. So it's based on the Mughal Empire in North India within the medieval to early modern period. And it has all the kind of hallmarks of that, which you see in films like um, Jodha Akbar or Bakiza. Well, not Bakiza, that's much later. Sorry, <laughs> I just really like that film. Mughalism, um, kind of opulence and colour, an Islamic world, harems, everything being very beautiful but cloistered, great politics, art and culture. Um, so it gives you an insight into a really different part of history and a part of the world that isn't usually in fantasy. It's the story of um, a woman who is a nobleman's illegitimate daughter mm. who's inherited her mother's um, special magical powers and her mother's from a persecuted people, um, mm. a nomadic tribe of people. When she reveals this power that she's inherited from her mother, um, she gets dragged into the service of the empire's immortal, creepy leader and is tricked into a marriage and then has to survive in really dangerous circumstances and work out whether she can trust um, her new husband who has also been tricked into service and doesn't want to be um, used or enslaved by the empire. So it's in many ways a really typical fantasy story, but the magic is very based on um, kind of Hindu mythology. So it uses dance. So the magic is done through dance, basically, wow. kind of like Bharat Natyam or, yeah. um, or Kathak or something yeah. like that. I can't dance for toffee, but, <laughs> but my characters can. Um, and it's a love story and it's about family. And in many ways, it's kind of a not, no, it's not a gentle commentary. It is a commentary on colonialism and empire and the way that um, cultures can crush people and use them in order to sustain their own glory. But like, that sounds really deep and I don't know if it is that deep. Um, it's just everything that I really enjoy reading. It's um, romantic, it's fantasy, it's about emotion and it's about survival. How did the idea for the book come about? Inspiration is kind of a weird one. People always ask me, 
what inspired you and I think there are some authors who have kind of really cool origin stories for their books so apparently JK Rowling was on a train and she just envisaged Harry Potter and yeah I've heard that yeah, yeah. and um not a great example possibly but Stephanie Mayer in Twilight oh my she god she had a dream <laughs> I used to read Twilight when I was younger. I was obsessed with the books, but um, I didn't know she had a dream. Yeah, so you can tell that I also like them because I know this story. But um, yeah, she had a dream about, I think, Edward or something, you know, sparkly vampires. And <laughs> yeah. Then she wrote her book. Um, I didn't have anything like that. There wasn't like some kind of dream or vision that I had. It was yeah. more that um, I'm a really big reader of fantasy. I really enjoy it. And I really wanted to write the kind of fantasy I enjoy which is very women focused and has a bit of romance and a bit of adventure and set it in something like an Indian influenced fantasy world because I hadn't really seen that before and definitely not by an Indian diaspora author or a South Asian diaspora author so um, that was the inspiration for the book. Let's talk about your upbringing Um, you know where were you born how were you influenced growing up and did that influence the way you wrote your book? Oh yeah, sure, it it definitely did. So I have what I would call a very typical British Asian background. Uh Um, I was born in Harrow. Uh Um, So I was in like one of the kind of, you know, the typical Asian areas of London, Hounslow, Harrow. You would call them London, wouldn't you? Yes, definitely, yeah. yeah. I am an only child, but I had a big Indian extended family Mm -hmm. and I used to spend a lot of time with my my nanny, mum, my grandma. Um, And she really loved like the old um, Hindu religious... um, TV serials yeah. you know the ones where they like they've basically made all of the the fantastical things out of cardboard or something <laughs> um, yes. and I would watch those and I was just completely sold on them I thought they were amazing so mm. they were kind of like um, the early like quote unquote fantasy influences on me mm-hmm. um, my dad was actually before he came to the UK he worked in Bollywood so he mm. did a range of different stuff but he was a director and an actor so he um, there's a film somewhere of his called Dumlatau on YouTube but um mm-hmm. And he loved Bollywood. So he worked as a radio presenter here and he had a huge Mm -hmm. collection of sort of classic music um, from like the golden age of Bollywood Mm -hmm. and also classic films. Like, so that really influenced me, even though I thought it was kind of uncool that I wasn't that Mm. interested in it as a kid. Um, As an adult, I think, obviously now I think his interests were really fascinating Mm -hmm. and like his background. Let's go back to watching the Hindu religious TV serials, which if anyone has watched them, you will know they can be, as you said, um, quite low budget productions. <laughs> um, <laughs> I remember watching them when I was growing up and just thinking that everything was just so extravagant and so over the top. But I also thought that it was quite beautiful as well, some of the stories. And I guess I grew up in some ways with that just being on the TV mm-hmm. all the time, kind of in the background. In terms of, you know, growing up and being influenced by certain pop culture in our culture, what else was helping you along your journey as you were growing up and maybe becoming a teenager? What other influences were there around you? That's a tricky one because I I don't think I felt very close to like even diaspora Asian culture as a teenager. Mm. I kind of wasn't interested in it. Now I am much more. Yeah. But it was really like I wasn't interested in it or concerned by it. I was much more just... um, interested in like boring teenager things I think um obviously I was also really influenced by the kind of 90s early 2000s Bollywood films oh wow (laughs) um you know like Gucci Gucci Hotahe, Galhonahor um Mm -hmm. 
gummy cushy gummy gum everything yeah. begins with a k have you noticed yeah. that yeah yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if they influenced me but i mm. i definitely really loved them also i think a really big influence on me and i think for a lot of people of like our kind of pan generation yeah. who were interested in, in things like fantasy yeah. um, was the Lord of the Rings films because wow. they were just really cool and I really loved them don't judge me <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna judge you but I hate the Lord of the Rings I'm so sorry I feel okay. like your heart is breaking no 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 it's fine I don't like the books okay. don't tell anybody because I think it's it's um, it's not allowed to dislike the Lord of the Rings books but I really loved the films because they were accessible and I could enjoy them I don't like the films either I'm so sorry I just feel like I've disappointed you it's alright I uh, yeah you're dead to me how did you decide that you wanted to break into the publishing industry and that you wanted to pursue a career as an author I mean I always knew that I wanted to write books I wrote stories from when I was very very young and I just um, always knew that I wanted to try and get published now the actual journey to doing that was a lot longer one I had to learn how to you know use full stops and capital letters so that was the first thing um, and then the one thing people would tell to you, tell you when you study creative writing when you talk to other writers is that it takes a long time to break into the industry mm. that isn't strictly true Publishing is a really weird industry. You can break in very fast or it can be very slow and that doesn't really reflect the quality of your writing or the size of the audience you'll get. It doesn't make sense. But I think what has changed in terms of the industry in the last, let's say 10 years, probably mm -hmm. less than that, is that there's been a real push for diversity, mm -hmm. um, which has often been centered around race, but um, yeah. obviously diversity covers a much wider range of um, different identities than that yeah. um, and that push has meant that a lot more fiction in various genres is getting published that wouldn't have otherwise easily found an audience yeah. or easily found a publisher so in, in fantasy and sci-fi for example there are a huge number um, of authors from diverse backgrounds that were not there 10 years ago or if they were there and trying to break into the industry were not getting anywhere mm. which I think is probably more true than saying they weren't there mm -hmm. um, so that's helped me um get to where I am because when I queried my book which is when you start sending it to agents who then sell it to publishers mm -hmm. like I said publishing is weird um, um, there was an audience for South Asian fantasy which mm -hmm. I don't think there had been before and it was just lucky timing because it was around the time that I finished a book that I was proud of that I felt like I could potentially sell or might have an audience mm. so the timing just worked out mm. really well were you influenced by any um, South Asian um, fantasy writers or Asian mm. uh, fantasy writers? I mean, you did say there, there haven't been that many around, but was there any author that you were reading that you felt that you could aspire to be like at all? Mm, in terms of South Asian authors, probably not, which sounds quite bad. Mm -hmm. There are some amazing authors out there. It's just that I don't feel like I necessarily... Um, although I enjoy reading them, I don't know that they felt like the writers I wanted to be. Mm. Like, um, I've read authors like, um, oh, let me think, um, Helen Dunmore writes, writes literary mm. fiction and her writing is really beautiful and kind of creepy. And mm. I remember reading that and thinking, I want to write like you. And there are a few other um, fantasy authors that I felt that way about, like you aspire to be like them mm -hmm. um, or not just fantasy. That hasn't been the case um, necessarily with a lot of South Asian fiction like um, I'll probably get kicked out of the literary community but I don't really like Midnight's Children or <laughs> okay. that kind of thing um, I think 
you know the work of Arundhati Roy is really amazing yeah. um uh, Vikram Seth, um, Mira Sayal's books are really yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Nikesh Shukla, mm-hmm. um, Sita Brahmachari. There's, there's, um, there was a book recently, Pratita Neja's book that came out that was based on King Lear. That's really good, mm-hmm. but none of them are kind of in the the wheelhouse of what kind of tradition I feel that I'm writing in. But the history of South Asian science fiction and fantasy is really interesting. Mm. It's, it's very different in the diaspora versus in India so mm-hmm. there are a lot of people in India writing really cool stuff like mm-hmm. um, Indra Pramit Das wrote this book called The, the Devourers which is really creepy and gory um, and he has had an audience abroad but many authors haven't so you have some names that aren't as familiar here that are there there's mm-hmm. an author and writer called Mimi Mondal mm-hmm. um, who's written um, a series of articles for a website called Tor about the history of South Asian fantasy and science fiction so that one's really worth looking at I don't feel that I've been influenced by Indian fantasy, but that doesn't mean it's not really good. <laughs> Can you tell everyone what some of the challenges were when you wanted to try and write a book or you, you started writing your book? And especially in terms of being someone who's British Asian. I mean, I think anyone listening to your podcast will know that, that there are particular pressures on British Asian women and, and men around what kind of, you're nodding really enthusiastically, yeah. <laughs> yeah, around what kind of profession you should have. Yeah. Um, that you, I, I think our parents, to varying degrees, worry about our security and our safety. Many of us are descended from people who were refugees or, yeah. you know, had to, to flee um, Africa or India. Yeah. And that has consequences, I think, for the way that our parents and our grandparents feel about yeah. security and solidity. I mean, it's not like India has a welfare state, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, that said, because my dad had worked in the arts, I think for all that he was quite a traditional Indian man in some ways, he was much more open to the possibility of me um, pursuing creative things because he'd done the same thing. But both my um, parents were very keen that I should get a job that could pay money for bills and things. And I was also of the same kind of um, belief because writing is, um, like I said, publishing is a weird industry. Writing doesn't always pay consistently, if at all. Um, so I didn't want to be in a position where I had to rely on that. And yeah. who knows how long it would take me to get published. Mm-hmm. Um, so that all had an impact on engaging with my writing because I always knew that it was less important than getting good grades, less yeah. important than going to university, less important than securing a job. But it was important to me and I had yeah. enough support that I continued to work on it. I think for a lot of people self-doubt is a really big thing that was a really big problem for me I had to push through worrying that I wasn't good enough to get published and my particular neuroses was that there weren't many people who um, looked like me in the industry at the time that I was reading things which is since birth till now I guess so you kind of you kind of feel like you don't have an automatic place at the table and you don't know if there will be a place at the table Mm. so although I've talked about the fact that um, the industry has become a lot more diverse and that there is now an audience or an awareness of an audience for diverse fiction I didn't know if there'd be an audience for my book so I was pleasantly surprised Mm. when I got a publishing contract and um, as to the question of other people being nosy and asking like how it's going that is such an asian thing like the aunties who are like so how's the writing going so my thing was the minute i was old enough to realize it was a stupid idea for me to tell them (laughs) i stopped telling them so about um so i used to go i'm gonna be a writer i'm gonna be this and then about when i was a teenager i thought i'm not telling anyone ever again yeah of course i did creative writing at university so they weren't unaware but i didn't talk about 
my writing at all until the point I had, I think, an agent. So, as you said, you weren't telling a lot of people because so many Asian aunties and even uncles can sometimes be so, so nosy and they can be quite judgmental and they might even kind of say comments that put you down or make you have a bit of self-doubt. Touching on that, it's obviously a very interesting point and one that I think a lot of people will relate to. How did you get the confidence to think, do you know what, I'm going to pursue this and I'm going to keep on going. This is something that I really want to do. I mean, did you ever feel like you had two identities that you were battling with at any point? I guess so. I've never really thought about um, the, the identities battling. I mean, I... I I like to joke that the thing that drives me to actually get my work done is fear of failure, but it kind of is fear of failure. I, so, I mean, not to go too deep, but my, my dad did work in the arts and I think he always found it tough that he came to the UK and due to, you know, needing to get a job and support a family and um, the difficulty of working as an actor in, um, working as an actor, as a, as a, you know, a brown actor with a strong accent in yeah. the British industry when he was extremely fluent in Hindi or, you know, the kind of yeah. Hindi Urdu mix that they use in Bollywood, but not necessarily in English in the early years, mm-hmm. um, or not the kind of English you use on screen. Yeah. Um, he didn't get to pursue his dreams. And I think that really hurt him. And at some point I um, examined my own self-doubt and I said, would mm-hmm. I regret not trying to pursue my dreams would I feel like I'd lost something like he felt like he had and I thought yeah I would feel that way so I have to try and this sounds kind of counterintuitive but so many bad books get published all the time (laughs) and I thought why can't my book get published I mean I don't know if it's good or bad artists never know if their work is good or bad but hey if it is bad why can't my crappy book also get an audience I mean, I can definitely relate to you on on what you've just said about our immigrant parents coming to the UK and having dreams and having an idea perhaps of what career they could pursue here, but maybe finding that they can't do it the same way that they could back home in India, for example. And it's just, it's, it's interesting how that actually ends up influencing in some ways your career path and your journey. And like you said, it makes you feel like you want to do something, maybe that they couldn't and you want to achieve something maybe to make yourself proud but also maybe make them proud at some point as well yeah I mean I've I've sort of dissed Indian aunties and uncles you know (laughs) um but like in their defense so many of them you know like when they get together and you know they they hang out and they you know play their music and everything you realize how many um were and are really talented people who had big artistic dreams often and really you know honestly appreciate the arts and the value of it Mm -hmm. but also knew that they couldn't pursue it because they had to keep food on the table and they had to support their families and i think for all the kind of the questioning and the nosiness um when our generation are successful and do well um in the kind of things that they couldn't even have really dreamt of accomplishing because they just needed to survive they're really happy for us Mm. like yes they say go become a doctor or you know become an accountant because it will keep food on the table but if you manage to break it into something else Mm. they i think they genuinely are pleased for you Mm. do you have any advice for people who (laughs) you knew this question was coming right but do you have any advice for um, people who might want to pursue careers as an author um, but are maybe either struggling with you know, parents who might not 
be supportive uh, because I still think that happens I still oh, think yeah. that in Asian families um, you know parents are still pushing their children into certain degree subjects or certain careers and maybe not championing them to pursue careers in the arts or the creative mm-hmm. sectors and so as someone who's potentially gone through that journey of self-doubt do you have any advice for anyone who might be thinking do you know what I want to pursue a career in the arts I want to do something in the creative sector there's no problem with having a day job it's worth having something you can fall back on but equally don't fall into the trap of thinking that that's the only thing that matters and that if you don't have this you know day job you will be you'll be a failure yeah um because you will even the nicest parents will say something like you need to get this degree or do this and then you can do that other thing in the spare in your spare time so I have a day job that allows me to do my writing in the evenings it's still hard but I can do it now if you're a doctor you're going to find that a lot more difficult (laughs) um that's not to say you can't accomplish it but it might be tough so weigh up what really matters to you only you get to live your life um if you want to have a lot of money and go on good holidays maybe you need to put the writing dream slightly aside Mm. um or the acting dream or whatever it might be um but if it's something that you really value um within sensible parameters of like being able to afford your rent um try and try and pursue your dream i'd also say um a lot of people when they think about pursuing their dreams they think oh i'm not good enough to do it yet or I'm a hot mess you know I don't know how to organize my life how can I possibly be this actor or artist or writer and the fact is like I can say hand on heart the most successful writers I've met have no idea what they're doing and they have no idea how to organize their lives they feel as confused and crap as you do Mm -hmm. so there is never going to be a perfect time um you have to you know it sounds so cheesy pursue your own joy do you know do the thing you love try to make sure you can afford to live while you do it um except that maybe at times you're feeling financially secure or your mental health being secure is more important than that dream Mm. um but you have time you don't have to give up Mm. do you feel like you in any way relate to meher who is the main character in Empire of Sand. Is there any connection that you have to her? Is she based on you in any way? <laughs> but is there any is there any kind of strong connection that you feel you have with her? Yeah, I think I think you always have a bit of yourself in your characters. There's no way of avoiding it. Like you could probably psychoanalyze most books and go, that tells me something about you <laughs> when you look at an author. But I think with Meher, she's the thing about her is that she she has to wear lots of different faces to survive so her family her father has specific expectations of her her stepmother does her sister living in court has particular strictures so she doesn't have a weapon she can't punch someone in the face and be like you know girl power you know whatever it might be she she has to protect her honor and her um her dignity and her family's reputation which i think would be familiar to quite a few Mm. um people out there um but then she also has to find a way to be true to herself and to um keep her own autonomy even when there are lots of other pressures on her like in a small way i think a lot of um a lot of south asian women experience that where your family have expectations of you and you have Mm -hmm. to act in a certain way but then the true person that you are underneath those expectations is different and you need to find a way to be that person while also respecting your family because you care 
mm. that they're happy as well yeah. maybe, maybe not but that yeah. that's kind of the the kind of painful yeah. press that you have on you and that's something that Meha faces on a much bigger scale because it's fantasy and it's high stakes mm-hmm. and I think I've experienced that at different points in my life and I brought that to her character because I think the strength of finding a way to be true to yourself or to survive in situations yeah. where you can't just overtly stand up for yourself is not really a respected strength but it's mm. it's tough and people do it all the time and it's also very female like it's something mm. women in particular often have to do though yeah. men do too um and i just wanted to kind of put that in the focus in the lens mm. and give it the respect it deserves what was the reception of empire of sand like for you how has it been like for you since it was published what's <laughs> your eyes have just gone 10 times larger <laughs> when I said that. But um, what what has it been like for you to have published the book and then, you know, waiting for reviews to pour in? Terrifying, I <laughs> I mean, you don't know how people are gonna respond to a book. You don't know if it's gonna get a good critical reception, a good audience reception, if it's gonna sell well. I, I got really sick of people asking me, um, is the book selling well? It's like, I don't know, I think it is. <laughs> no one has like called me up from the publisher going, you're doing really bad yeah it's like it is what it is you know i've really enjoyed the reception that it's had from people i've had a really lovely welcome from the science fiction fantasy community itself so there are dedicated fans and there are other writers and they've been really really welcoming and i've absolutely loved just getting to meet them Uh so that has been lovely and i've had some lovely reviews some less lovely ones which is why you should never read your own reviews without somebody (laughs) vetting them but the nicest thing I've had is people contacting me and saying this book really meant a lot to me or I've always wanted to see someone who looks like me or has a culture like mine in a book and now I have and that kind of thing just really makes you go yeah that's what I wanted great that sounds awesome and I'm so pleased for you and I know it's done so well um what's next for Empire of Sand is there going to be a second book or is there going to be any tv shows made what can, what, <laughs> what, what can we expect well it's funny that you mentioned that um it, it's been optioned for television which is another television makes the film and media make publishing look sensible um it means that it could become a tv show or it could not mm. we do not know um it means that there are people who think it could be and they're trying to make it happen and that's really nice but mm. we'll keep keep our fingers crossed something may come of it something may not i hope something does but yeah empire of sand is the first in a series at the moment there is only one more book coming out um if that changes i will obviously shout from the rooftops about that but <laughs> the the second book is called realm of ash that's coming out in november this year so literally one year after the first one and um, it is a standalone so it follows on from the first book but it's about different characters and it can be read independently Mm -hmm. Um, and it's about um, the sister of Meher from the first book and everything that happens to her as a result of some stuff that happens in Empire of Sand. Thank you so much, Tasha, for joining me on this episode of the podcast. It's been really lovely speaking to you. Um, Any parting words, anything that you want to sign off with? Well, first, thank you for having me. It's been really fun. And I'd say if you are interested in in writing books, you should do it. Mm. There is a really big um, online community in particular supporting quote unquote diverse authors um so if you would like to write you really really should give it a go and you can always 
come by my website or something and say hi to me as well. And do you want to just tell everyone what your website is and whether they can follow you on Twitter or elsewhere? That would be helpful for me to do, <laughs> yes. Um, so my website is tashasuri.com and if you want to follow me on Twitter, I mostly post ridiculous things about books that I'm reading that I really enjoy and um, I am Tasha Drinks Tea on Twitter, Tasha Suri on Instagram. I'm not on there as often, it's mostly just pictures of my cats. But if you like a cat's picture occasionally, <laughs> maybe, maybe that's where you want to go.